This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, I'm Antoine Ray, and I will be your host today for this Global Ambition episode. And my guest today is Adriana Grande, localization specialist at Roku. Adriana, welcome to the program. Thank you, Antoine. This is my pleasure to be here today and share some ideas with you. Great. And today we're going to be talking about UX and where UX and localization cross over. So where and how do UX and localization cross, you think, Adriana? Well, just as a background information, I am a UX designer by trade, but I also am trained in localization. So it gives me a special position to be because I can see and understand both worlds and both needs. And I usually work contracts and I have done a lot of contracts in UX, a lot of in localization. Currently, I'm working at Roku as a localization specialist. But I always have to work with, you know, using both lenses and I see the gaps. And that made me think about where localization and UX should cross. One thing that came to mind, which is kind of funny, is this idea that when you feed a baby, you burp the baby. They Mm -hmm. always come together. So so when I think about UX and localization, like there's always have to be together or something is missing and somebody's going to be unhappy. So when and where do they cross? There's a plethora of places where they cross. However, instead of giving you a, a long list of where they cross, I thought about something. The important thing here is to learn how to embed localization in all steps of UX design, of the UX process. It's usually discover, research, design, and launch, or some other variations of that. But there's a place for localization to be collaborating and actively participating in all of them. So if you think about in the beginning of the discovery and process, there's so many things to consider from the localization point. Are we making sure we are designing for a global audience, but at the same time, being able to attend the needs of a specific locale? Mm-hmm. So what are we doing about this? Is there a plan to further explore in different locales, language, culture? So what can you do to help the UX researcher and the UX design with that, if you're a localization. And if you're a UX person, then you need to think about, am I considering the international ramifications? I need to talk to a localization person. So usually I am a bridge in between those two teams Mm -hmm. or overall giving points and idea on both sides. So when you think about style guides in UX, you think about something very specific. And when you think about localization, you also think about something specific. So how do you put those two together? There's a need of collaboration. So I always think and say, if you're a UX person, your best friends should be a localization specialist and vice versa, because these teams should always be collaborating. So there's things like in a UX research, ethnographic studies, are you doing this in one country and thinking I can just translate that result, Mm -hmm. thinking that behavior is universal. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So what do you need? You need to talk to that person who is culturally aware and they understand localization and language to come in and participate and give you feedback. Am I writing the right questions for this UX survey? Then moving on, if you are in the middle of the process, are you creating international personas? 
How do you go about that? Not only is the code internationalized, but what are you doing about terminology research? When you are writing new terms, let's say your source language is English, which is what I'm working with now. Are you considering what that will mean when you have to translate that? Do those terms even exist in the other language? Will you have to create new terms? How are you going to go about that? Are you working with Baidai languages? How is design getting ready for it? Right. Design systems. If you're creating a design system or your company has a design system, has it considered the ramifications of working with a different language? So in the future, we don't have problem with truncations and where do you need transcreation for terms? Of course, that is not necessarily in design system, mm -hmm. but design system is huge and people put whole teams and a lot of ideas into it. And they rarely bring somebody from localization. I had an opportunity recently to participate in a very interesting conversation on the creation of a design system because something they, um, I cannot disclose what it is mm -hmm. specifically, but they came to me and asked, we're trying to fix this one part. Um, we have three options. What do you think would be best? Coming from a localization specialist, I stepped back and said, your problem is not this. Your problem is this. So you're, you're trying to fix this, but you're not fixing the whole picture. You need to fix for the whole international in global audience you're going to have. So there's a whole lot more that needs to go into it. And they were like, oh, we're going to have to push this project further down because we're looking at this one little thing. So do not look through the keyhole when you have the opportunity to open the door and see the big picture. Yeah. How does that apply in Roku specifically with the product that uh, you have? You know, you have like a, a an online service, but there's also, if I'm not mistaken, a, a Roku remote control, right? Yes, we have uh, remote controls. The remote control is very simple. It's universal. And I think it's one of the remote controls I love the best among all other because it has very little things. The secret of it is that everything you need to do it's on the navigation of the TV itself. So you go top and bottom, right and left, and then everything's explained on the navigation and it's very user-friendly. And we are very proud of the products we have created there. I worked on the launch of the TV and the player in Brazil. So I went over all the content and all the UI strings to make sure not only they had been translated correctly to Portuguese, but they were user-friendly. And a few things were interesting when it came up to it. We have this fun copy for messages when you are waiting for something to be loaded. And very American-centric, we have things like turning the solar panel or Star Trek references, not Star Trek reference, but very kind of space age reference. Mm -hmm. Oh, guess what? In Brazil, nobody will care about that. And most people are not techies or Trekkies. So I said... Well, how would you feel if while you're loading, I had a message that said, waiting for the rain to pass? You'd make absolutely no sense for you. Well, guess what? In Brazil, it makes sense because there are places where right. it rains every day and people understand you've got to wait. <laughs> so there's the, not only the language, but cultural expectancy. And awareness um, of cultural. And awareness. Um, so we had to work on those. And so that, that brings me to another question. It's like, how do you engage with the UX team? You're in a unique position in there because you have a background in both. But in a lot of cases, the, the people listening to us may not have that background. 
and may not have the experience to work with a UX designer. So if you can give a, a few pointers or advice on how do you engage with the UX team from a localization perspective. Yes, and at Roku, because I was hired as a localization specialist, I had to reach out to stakeholders and other teams. So what I say is that first, be very generous with your knowledge. Share. Reach out and tell people, would you like to hear more about what I do? I would like to hear what you do. And then just meet people. Um, now with Zoom, you, you can meet anyone for 30 minutes. And I would say first, make an inventory of everything you know and you can share that is useful to the other side. So if you're a localization, what can you tell UX people? And if you're UX people, what can you tell your localization people? And have a list of what you can share, plan a conversation of 30 minutes, what are you going to share in those 30 minutes, and then boldly go out and contact people and, and just say, hey, I have something which I'd like to share. Would you like to, I don't know, grab a coffee, sit down at the coffee room, do a Zoom meeting, whatever is your reality, and start doing this. Start the conversation there. What I did, because I really wanted to reach out to the major stakeholders, I start creating PowerPoint presentations. And one of the things I learned is that you pick one topic at a time. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about truncation and how truncation will affect code, but also design. Talk about truncation. Make a presentation about that. Because if you talk too much about too many things, everything will be forgotten. If you do one topic, they will listen to you. And then do this continuously, but not overwhelmingly. So I would say, if you have ideas, prepare one for every couple of months, every three months, every six months. Don't take too long because they will forget you. But take it long enough that they will take a breath. They will digest that idea. Have a chance to implement something or at least know where you are and what you know and come back and consult with you. I did that a number of times. Mm -hmm. And that put me in a situation where people now know oh, I have this idea. Let me check with Adriana to see what she thinks. And then you just talk about it. Do you feel you're developing that global mindset in those people in the UX team in that case, yeah? Yes. You do have an opportunity to talk to many people and just get ready to learn because even though as you're sharing that information, you will learn new things from them too. New so even respect, though, yeah. exactly. So be open to what they are doing because People usually stay on top of their games in those industries. So UX people are always learning new UX things. Same thing is for localization. So as you keep that conversation going, you are constantly learning new things and you're constantly collaborating. And that's the key. One thing that came to mind is that learn also how to get data to support your points. So if you're going to do PowerPoint presentation about truncation, go out there in the internet and see who has case studies or what kind of information you can get. So it's not just your word saying that this is important, guys. You have data to back you up. So those are important things to learn. And I learned that putting all those things together, you get people attention. I'm sure there are some interesting pictures out there of truncations in different languages that oh, yeah. you can use to illustrate your point. And then different things too. I actually talked to a friend of mine if she didn't mind me using her example. She's a UX designer. Her name's Ian Lee, but Lee spelled with L-I instead of L-E-E. Mm -hmm. And she was sharing a story about how she always have a, a hard time filling out forms because 
every once in a while she come across forms that says, use the last six characters of your last name. Use at least four characters of your last name. Use three characters of your last name when her last name has two letters and her first name has three. So even put her whole name together, she would not (laughs) get those requirements. And to her, she's like, this is so frustrating. Why this? It's because the UX people who created those forms didn't think about localization in terms of who are the audience. And also, it doesn't even matter where you are because there's plenty of people everywhere in the world, right? I have friends who are Indian whose names are super long. So if they had a limit of six characters, they couldn't write their whole name. So think about, am I creating constraints as I'm designing? And the only way to know that is talk to somebody else on the other end. Yeah, and it's interesting because we've had a few people on the show talking about UX and how early in the process should you engage is like similar to with development teams and internationalization, you know, with Tadia from Ura and now yourself. And it seems that the earlier you get engaged with those teams, the better and you educate each other about on one side the UX and on the other side localization to make sure that's taken into consideration for a better product for an international audience. Exactly. I, I usually say people who are interested, look for a couple of things. When creating a feature, try to be in that process in the beginning. Because I had an opportunity to be in the creation of a feature for a Roku that only gonna show in Brazil. So it made no sense to create that feature based in English and then translate because that's not the reality of the user who's going to be doing this. So that feature was created. They called me to see what would be the best experience for the Brazilian on the other end of using. And then we thought about localizing it, updating features. When can you be there as soon as possible? Also solving problems. What kind of problems can you solve? Ian Lee, last name in a form, that's a, a problem to be solved. So look into your product if you have those kind of things. And also look for gaps, if there are gaps that need to be filled. So if you want to find case studies in your own product and your own company, look for those things. And other thing is get to know your product well, deep and wide, mm-hmm. because only with that knowledge, you will have the opportunity to look at where can you come in and say, oh, we should be looking at this. We should be looking at this point in design. We should be looking at this point in localization. If it's localization, your glossary, take a look at your glossary. Has your glossary really considered the ramification of good user experience? Or are we just translating terms? Is it time to use some transcreation? So talk to the UX writer of the company. There's a lot of things to be done, that's for sure. Great. Well, listen, Adriana, we're coming to the end of our session, and uh, thanks very much for some insightful ideas and experiences that uh, you've gone through. I'm sure like a lot of our listeners are probably going through something similar and might reach out to you then. Absolutely. Please do. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, thanks very much for coming on our show, and we'll talk to you very soon. All right. Great to see you, Antoine. Until next. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.